Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Really was an instant classic on Monday Night Football, 92 days after the Ravens housed the Browns in week one. Cleveland almost rallies from a 14-point fourth-quarter deficit to win, but instead Baltimore hangs on 47-42. They're right on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. The Browns sit in the top wild-card spot. Keyshawn J. Will has been presented by Progressive Insurance. We mentioned it was an instant classic, and we want some instant reaction from you. We're asking this morning on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, which team would you fear facing more in the playoffs, the two teams from last night, size them up. Browns, Ravens. Fellas, it seems only appropriate since the Ravens snuck out a win. They're going to sneak out the edge here. 56% have said the Ravens, including at Drowns TS on Twitter, hitting us up, quote, I don't trust Mayfield uh. yet. Jay, what do you think about that? I don't know if I can say I don't trust Mayfield yet. I, he's played exceptionally well the last two games, and I think this team is coming together at the right time. Now, look, you let the Ravens score 47 points on you. Uh, granted, the Ravens let the Browns score 42 points on you. Um, but I, I think I would, I would still have to go with the Ravens just because, look, Baker Mayfield and company led an incredible charge back, but it seemed like, the Ravens had this game in control before he, he the Lamar Jackson essentially missed a full quarter, felt like, you know, in the bathroom, in the bathroom, Zubin, a full quarter, in the bathroom. And then he comes back and he leads the charge again. His, his ability to make plays with his legs. People always question his ability to throw the ball outside the numbers. I know that's still a thing. But just felt like with their running game, you know it's coming, but you still can't stop it. You can't stop it. And I think right now with where I'm in the season, I still, we still have a couple more games left, but I, I would probably have to give the benefit of the doubt more to the Ravens than I do to the Browns. Well, I, I, I think that when you're looking at it, Baker, Baker Mayfield is doing a tremendous job under Kevin Stefanski in what they want to do from an offensive output. And if they can get their defense playing well, because I think Baker may be slightly better thrower of the football than Lamar Jackson is right now. Uh, Baker had a tremendous game, uh, close to 350 yards in the air. He threw the ill-advised interception deep in his end, but he also rushed for a touchdown. Not the same type of rushing skills as Lamar. Um, Lamar is just dynamic in how he approaches the game and his style of play is electrifying. Uh, it gives you that snack, crackle, pop that you're looking for in today's NFL, the wow factor. He gives you the wow factor. Uh, and his defense shut down corners and Humphreys along with Peters. It, it could create some things if Matt Judon and Calais Campbell, they start to come to the party to play, and that defense gets a little bit better. It's not necessarily trusting. It's what they can do offensively if they get behind. Can they score from double digits behind? I think Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns displayed that to you last night by showing you, yes, we can come from behind double-digit scores and take a lead. Can the Ravens do that when they make a run in the playoffs? That's the big question to answer. And to Jay's point, it was 34-20 Baltimore entering the fourth quarter. 
and the Browns put a furious comeback on. It simply wasn't enough for the Ravens. They got Jacksonville next, and the Browns on another short week for them get another big-time stage, and we'll see what happens when they play the Giants on, on Sunday G-Man. night football. Jay, you kind of have it. Uh, you kind of have stakes in both because obviously you got the Ohio roots, but you're a Giant fan, so you win either way. I, I guess I just don't know how Daniel Jones is going to be. I feel like I know I know what kind of heat Baker Mayfield is coming into this game with, especially with the way that they lost to the Ravens. I just wonder what kind of fire Daniel Jones will have and how that hamstring is doing moving forward. I want to run through a guy that many people may not recognize on the street, but is pretty important, and that's the Browns general manager Andrew Berry. This is actually a second go around. In Cleveland, he was with Cleveland from 2016 to 2018. Now he's back as the GM. But in between that time, he was actually the vice president of player personnel or vice president of football operations, I should say, for the Eagles. So obviously he does have a relationship here with Carson Wentz from his brief stop in Philly, bookended by those trips in Cleveland. So he knows Wentz, and it feels like Wentz may not be on the Eagles beyond this season if the financials can be worked out, and that's a gigantic if. Here's Dan Orlovsky essentially saying Hurts and Wentz is fine for now, but next year at this time is probably untenable. The more Jalen Hurts plays and plays better and wins football games, the question of can we trade Carson Wentz becomes more realistic. I know the draft picks and the money. I get all that. It's the NFL. Nothing should surprise anybody. And then two... If people in that organization believe that the draft pick of of Jalen Hurts affected Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts continues to play well, how do you have both of them on your team at the same time next year? I I don't see how that's even remotely possible. So yesterday was great for Jalen Hurts. It was incredibly concerning for me when it comes to Carson Wentz. First things first here, Key. Let's just talk about it's simple to say, well, you know, they both can't be there under those scenarios. But you have always said on this show from day one, follow the money and the Eagles essentially ridding themselves of Wentz. That could be leading them to some sort of financial ruin. I just want to get your thoughts on that first, because that's a lot of money up in the air here. And you've always told us to follow the money. And there's very reputable people that believe Starting training camp next year, Carson Wentz is going to be QB1. He's certainly going to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles in August of 2021. Late July, early August of 2021, he'll be taking first-team reps with the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia's training camp. It's not that difficult to see, right? And and you you say, how could that be when Jalen Hurts could win four straight games and possibly win the division, get them into the playoffs. That's cool. I get all that. But when you have about $59 million hanging over your salary cap, if you cut bait, the, the, the least amount of money they can possibly get off the hook for is about $37 million that they could absorb, which is a hell of a lot of dead money to have for a player 37 at the at the least 59 at the max there is no in between and so if you do the 30 million which means that you're now going to give him a roster bonus on the second day of the league year which falls around march of 2021 you got to stroke him a check for about 10 million bucks then you're gonna part ways with him no you're not going to give him 10 million of real money and then absorb $30-something million of dead cap space. The league doesn't work like that. You, you go into 2021 
with a quarterback battle, as I've always said. Then you see how Carson Wentz plays the first couple games, and then you quick hook him. If it ain't going, we're not going to sit around and wait till week 11 and 12 like we did this year. We're going to cut bait with him at that point and ride out the rest of the season and part ways with him at the end of the year. That is how it's going to play out. Section or page 265, coaching bench quarterback. That's what you go to. That's the book. I know what the book says. Um, and, you know, I've never had the uh, experience of, of dealing with contracts like he has with an NFL. But I, I, I can tell you the experience of how fans feel. And I can tell you how the emotional wave in Philly will follow that if that happens. And if Jalen Hurts continues to play at a high level. And Zubin, we said that before they played. I said, what if they beat the Saints? Like, what if they beat the Saints? You just feel this emotional charge, not only behind the fans, but also behind the players on the roster. And I know that we want to sit here and say that, yeah, Carson Wentz will be the, the starter next year because of you know, $39 million in dead money and all this other stuff. I just think if Jalen Hurts plays out of his mind and they find a way to make the playoffs, I'm not saying they're going to happen, or they find a way to close out the season on a very high note, it, it will be hard. And I'll just say this. I don't know how it pertains to football, but Al Horford had an immovable contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. I never thought they would be able to get rid of a guy who was making $100-plus million who barely saw the field, right? Daryl Morey found a way to get it done. He found a way to get it done. So, you know, I, we, we've seen a lot of GMs pull a rabbit out of a hat. They've gotten some deals on the table to get done. That's all I'm saying. It, it's feasible that you can think that Jalen Hurts – could actually be the starter next year if his play continues to excel and he continues to play at a very high level and they win football games. The, 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 problem with, the problem with the NBA versus the NFL, Jay, is there's only so much money in the NFL for, that you have to use to field an entire team. If I absorb $35 million, let's just use that number, on one player at a time when the salary cap is going to be re- reduced, I can't even – where, where, who am I going to pay? Where's my players? Like, I got other guys on the team that's eating up cap space, too. So you got to have a certain number there. And if they do anything with the 59 million, you might as well forget they shouldn't even play football next year. Only way that this thing works is if he gives money back to you, and which he's not going to do, right? He's not going to all of a sudden say, here, you can have 50 of the 107 back. They're not, they're not going to do that. So the best thing for them to do is to see it through into early season and then make a decision on that. Because if you if you try to do anything with him in that cap situation, you're going to blow up your entire team. I like literally. So what happens next year, Key? Say, so say you let them battle for the quarterback position and Jalen Hurts ends up winning the battle. So he's not going to look, Jay. But but you're saying you're going to win. He's not going to win. He's not going to win the battle. He's That's not going to win the battle. He's not going to win the battle. Hey. Okay. He's, you know how that goes. Uh, He's not going to win the battle. That's why we're going to give him three games as a starter, you know, play that game a little bit, and then bam. Uh, and by the way, I'd like to say uh, I'm not as quick on the manual. We were on page 250, and now we're on page 265. I got I to catch up here. Let's talk a little college football, and I'll get back print, on. Co- coaching, print. coaching manual, man. Coaching manual, page 250, page 265. <laughs> follow the money. Let's follow up with a little college football discussion. 
that's the voice of Joey Galloway, and Joey was right. It initially was USC and Washington Friday night, but as Key told us, keep an eye on possible movement. Washington doesn't have enough scholarship players. They also don't have an offensive line. They couldn't meet the Pac-12 criteria, so it's going to be USC Oregon Friday night. That's championship Friday. There'll be a huge championship Saturday before the final rankings are released noon Eastern. And we'll finally find out who is in this crazy 2020 college football playoff. Latest rankings, though, tonight, 7 Eastern on ESPN. Heather Dinich, college football playoff senior writer and reporter, joins us this morning. So, Heather, I'm sure many of our Listeners are aware of the crazy finish between Florida and LSU over the weekend that essentially knocked Florida, you would presume, out of the college football playoff. So that Florida loss benefits whom the most tonight when the latest rankings are out? Well, tonight it might benefit Cincinnati and Iowa State the most because they'll probably get bumped up at the Gators' expense. I'm curious to see how far they fall because you're right. Florida should not finish in the top four, even if it does win the SEC title. Look, I think it would be much easier for the selection committee to justify a one-loss Alabama without a title than it would a two-loss Gators with a title at this point. So, you know, I think it also really benefits Ohio State because that eliminates the possibility, at least you would think, of Alabama and Florida both getting in, and then you don't have to worry about that spot. But Ohio State still needs to worry about Texas A&M. This has been a conversation in that selection committee meeting room the entire season, and the number of games ultimately will matter. Ohio State will play six games. So that is going to be a conversation in that room tonight and on selection day. What is the chaos scenario for those who want to see chaos uh, this weekend? I think the ultimate chaos scenario is probably Clemson and Ohio State losing. And while it seems far-fetched, it might not be all that unrealistic. Um, I say that because if that happens, the two you're sure of are Alabama and Notre Dame. Then what happens? Do you have Texas A&M and Cincinnati in your top four and an Alabama-Cincinnati matchup or an Alabama-Texas A&M Rematch, it could get interesting. What do you do in that scenario? Dabo Sweeney has already publicly lobbied a little bit for a two-loss Clemson team to get in. I think that's um, hard to justify because if you don't beat Notre Dame twice, your best win is against a ranked Miami team, which is good. But if you look at the rest of the schedule, I want to say Boston College and Pitt are the only two opponents that are over 500 that Clemson would have beaten at that point. And if you can't beat Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence in the lineup, that's a question. Heather, you've been on with us now for about two and a half minutes. You have failed to mention at all the University of Southern California Trojans out west. I don't know why, but what's the path <laughs> to them getting it, an opportunity to play in the Final Four? Well, thank you for paying attention and listening closely to what I don't say. <laughs> um, look, USC, the difference between USC and Ohio State, I think in the committee's eyes, is that while USC has won, it has won close, and it has looked good, not great, whereas Ohio State has dominated 
almost every team that's played with the exception of Indiana, of course, in that close win. Um, Look, if USC is going to get in this thing, obviously it has to beat Oregon. It has to beat Oregon convincingly, but then it needs all kinds of chaos above it. It needs Iowa State to lose. It needs Cincinnati to lose. It needs Texas A&M to lose to Tennessee. Um, it's It goes beyond punctuating your resume with that conference title. And again, Gary Barta, the selection committee chair, has said this repeatedly all year. The eye test is going to matter this year more than any other season because of these unbalanced resumes. When you look at USC, is it one of the four best teams in the country? The selection committee hasn't even deemed it a top 10 team to this point. Yeah, that's their fault. You know, Heather, I, I will say this, in, in, because Keyshawn has been pushing this narrative for a while, and I'm actually starting to come on board a little bit. Um, both teams are 5-0, and 5-0, and and they, they won the games you're supposed to win. It's not like the quality of competition for Ohio State has been better. Now, look, my eyes tell me Ohio State's a better football team, but when you're just looking at it on, on paper, the resumes are pretty comparable. And that is the challenge this year for the selection committee. And bottom line is this. It's 2020, and it's not fair for anyone. It's not fair for Ohio State that they had three games canceled. It's not fair for USC that they had to start their season in November. It's not fair that the selection committee has to decipher between a six-win team and an 11-win team. So everybody has to lower their bar this year for fairness, right? But at the same time, that's why there are people judging this and not computers because USC will be in the conversation. They will talk about the Trojans and they will see whether or not on film they think they're one of the four best teams. And I think that that's important. There are coaches in that room who will evaluate that. I think people forget that, that there are very experienced eyes, including Ronnie Lott in that room, right? He's obviously mm-hmm. recused um, from, from voting for USC. But my point is there are people in there who have football experience who are judging these teams. This isn't a computer spitting out numbers. They're going to figure this out the best they can. Heather, Heather uh, ahead, where would they be ranked tonight? Where are they going to come in at? USC? Yes. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that they're going to move that far up a, a lot of it depends on what happens above them and there were a bunch of teams that didn't play maybe they get maybe they get a bump but do they get a bump significant enough to move them into that range i think that's one thing worth paying attention to i want to say guys that the lowest a team has ever been and finished in the top 4 is 14th i think that was ohio state in 20 the very first year of the playoffs so Pretty significant jump, but remember, they worked their way up through the rest of the season. We're not talking about the final, the penultimate ranking, right? And then all of a sudden you pop up in the top four. Uh, So it it depends. It's definitely something worth watching tonight, though, for sure. Heather, I did want to ask you, as it relates to the SEC, did did they get it right ultimately by rescheduling this game, like the Florida situation, as opposed to the ACC that canceled some of these games for Clemson and Notre Dame? Well, it depends who you ask, right? (laughs) Greg Sankey will tell you absolutely they got it right because they felt like that's the right thing to do. And the ACC will tell you that they thought that was the right thing to do. Look, we're going to look back on all of this and the ultimate 
you know, reflection on it. It's not going to be to like 10 or 20 years, but this is what you get when everyone is doing their own thing. And this is the crux of the entire argument. How many games did you play? Right. And again, it's nobody's fault. And the commissioners realized this, but the decision in the SEC was, look, we are going to play as many games as we can because we have been told that the number of games matter. And you go back to the very first year of the college football playoff when the Big 12 didn't have its conference championship game. That was one game. Do you remember how much that one game mattered? It mattered so much that the Big 12 is a conference championship game now, right? And that's Greg Sankey and Dabo Sweeney's argument is, look, the more you play, the more you risk, and the selection committee needs to recognize that. That's their take. Ohio State's take is, hey, this isn't our kids' fault. We played the games we played. It's a great point, Heather, you raised. Texas Christian and Baylor fans are still upset about what happened in 2014. Very instructive point. And we should also mention for Key, it's just a tough year for USC. The fact that they're not even playing the staunchest competition they can in their own conference championship game. Washington had quote-unquote earned their way there due to record. And now if SC wants to put on one final statement, they're going to do so against a team that many people feel is inferior to the team they were supposed to face. So it's a really tough spot for SC all the way around. Yeah, we didn't ask you, Zubin. <laughs> just throwing it out. Just throwing it out. We'll see you tonight, 7 <laughs> Eastern, for the rankings, and then everybody watching Sunday at noon on ESPN, where those four will be unveiled. Heather, thanks a lot. Thanks, thanks a lot, Heather. And still to come, this morning, we are six days away from a major deadline for a two-time MVP Where in the world will James Harden start the 2020-2021 NBA season? The NBA's best insider with the most fresh and up-to-date information on the beard and that saga. Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. And it's a pleasure to have Woj join us this morning. Adrian, I got to mention, opening night is a week away with two games, Golden State and Brooklyn Lakers Clippers. Uh, second night of the season. People aren't really paying attention to this, but it's a little bit juicy. You've got Washington And the Sixers, and many Mm. people know who Washington already has and maybe who the Sixers might be about to get. All right, so take me inside. What is the latest your reporting is telling you on the James Harden out of Houston saga? Zubin, he's going to make his debut tonight. He'll play in that preseason game for the Rockets. Just had one practice with with the full team yesterday with Steven Silas his new coach, but his focus remains on getting a trade uh, out of Houston. And regardless of what John Wallace looked like or Boogie Cousins 
early in the preseason. It's not going to impact his thinking. He's made that clear to the organization. He's also told them uh, that Ramona Shelburne and I are told that that he's going to work with them here in the interim until they find a trade. He's going to play. He's going to be there. Uh, he knows that if he becomes a problem with the team, it makes it harder to trade him because the team, the organization, they become uh, limited perhaps in the kind of assets they can get back. So uh, the one thing about James Harden is he loves to play. He shows up every night. He, you know, he doesn't want to sit. He doesn't want nights off. He wants to play a lot of minutes. I think you can expect to see that here. But uh, I think you know his the, the, the list of teams for him is relatively short because there's so few teams who really have the assets to be able to pull this kind of a deal off and are in position uh, for a player who's you know 30 years old, uh, who is or over 30 years old, and and has the kind of money on his contract. It's not for everybody, uh, but I think Philadelphia remains at the top. I think of the teams who have the best ability to put a package together, and, and Brooklyn looms uh, still in this uh, sweepstakes. Let me let me ask you this about the James Harden situation. Did the Rockets move Westbrook for John Wall so they could try to retain James Harden, or was it simply we need to move on from Westbrook? Well, uh, Keyshawn, they hoped that maybe – Having John Wall in would spark some interest with Harden, but uh, at, they had a player in Russell Westbrook who wanted out. Washington had a player in John Wall who wanted out. Both guys with supermax contracts. It was kind of an easy deal in that sense to do. Uh, but uh, listen, they've all along in Houston wanted to find a way to keep James Harden. You know, we had reported around the time of the draft, you know, that he had turned down a two-year, one hundred million dollar plus extension that he was eligible for. And so uh, while they would, have, they would like to see how this John Wall, James Harden pairing goes, management, ownership would, uh, th- they know that James Harden wants out. And so um, whatever deal they make here is going to be, I think, really independent of, of John Wall. And you're going to see an organization that's going to try to get draft picks, try to get a, a, a really, really good young player and you're going to see Houston ultimately here move toward a rebuild once they're able to do a John Wall trade. Whoa, or excuse whoa. me, do a James Harden trade. Whoa, did, did Tim Fertitta and company actually think that the way they were doing it was going to pan out? Them not consulting with James on moves like Daryl Morey leaving, like moves like you know Mike D'Antoni no longer being there, even bringing John Wall in. Did, did they did they think that was a recipe for success? Well, remember, Jay, Daryl Morey left, Mike D'Antoni left. You know, both guys, uh, Mike D'Antoni was a free agent, decided he was not going to return to Houston, and Daryl Morey uh, walked away from the job. Philadelphia was there waiting for him. He takes a sixer job. This organization has consulted with, John, with James Harden on everything for years. He's had uh, as much say as any star player in the league has had uh, with how an organization is run, who his teammates were going to be, and you know that would have continued. I think if he wanted to be there, uh, but I think the changes in management, coaching, were made by those individuals. They decided to move on. Who are the real suitors, serious contenders for James Harden services, Walsh? I mean, Keisha, I, I think it's you know it's all relative. I think Brooklyn has interest. Houston hasn't shown that they're really interested in the Nets' pieces. They want that knockout great young player. 
they have, you know, Karis LeVert's a good one, a very good one, borderline all-star. If, if Brooklyn really wanted to get into this, um, they'd probably have to find, use their assets to find a young player around the league and put them in a three-way deal that Houston uh, would be interested in. They haven't gotten to that. Philadelphia is the natural trading partner because they have Ben Simmons and they have an all-NBA player who's under 25 years old. Um, and they certainly have, you know, a, G, a president there in Del Morey who's very fond of James Harden, traded for him in Houston, brought him from Oklahoma City. Uh, they have talked with the Sixers, uh, but they've not gotten close to a deal with them. And listen, there are teams around the league who've kicked the tires on it, Keyshawn, but nobody who um, has kind of dove into this head first. And so these trades can be funny. It can play out over time. Or all of a sudden, somebody wakes up one day and says, we're ready to get aggressive and put the kind of package it'll take to get it done. I think but Houston knows they have time on their side in the sense uh, Harden can't be a free agent for at least two more seasons. So they can wait here and try to find the kind of deal they know they need for a player of his stature, which is a, you know, which is max return uh, for his value. Well, I know we'll talk about this this Friday night on NBA Countdown. But speaking of Brooklyn, considering Kyrie just called people within the media pawns, um, he then backtracked his comments not only on that but also on Steve Nash. Why talk to the media? Why do that at that certain juncture? Why back? Why kind of backtrack those comments? I I, I don't know, Jay. I, I think he there was no sense it was going to be a season long ban. It would have been very expensive to not talk to the media the entire season. I mean, the media now for players this season is fairly easy. You get on a Zoom call for 10, 15 minutes, and it's over. And so I think for, for Kyrie, uh, you know, listen, he, he decided to talk yesterday. I, I imagine he'll talk periodically. Again, you're going to get fined by the league. And, and it also puts a lot of pressure on your teammates when they have to answer to it. And everybody else in the organization has to answer about you when you're not talking. And I think as a leader, Kyrie knows that. And I think that's part of your responsibility as a franchise player uh, is to be, uh, you know, certainly he and Kevin Durant are going to be the focal points uh, in every way for that organization. Talking to the media is part of that. Uh, But listen, you talk to the people around the Nets. They have loved the version of Kyrie Irving they've gotten this year. He's been tremendous in training camp. He's been a very good leader for them. Obviously, he and Kevin Durant now finally on the court together and you saw in the game against the Wizards the other night you know when a player of his stature is out sometimes you can it, it can become easy to forget how great they are and to see he and Duran on the court you know you realize immediately this this is a championship contender in Brooklyn we knew that when they got together you're reminded of it when you see him on the floor again playing well so let's stay in the Eastern Conference for a minute when should we expect a decision on Giannis's super max contract Extension. He, yeah, he, he's got till Monday to ultimately make the decision. Uh, so between now and then, and I think, listen, he's got a lot to weigh here. And the one thing about Giannis, and it, it's, it speaks to who he is and how much he values commitments. And I think part of the reason he's taking his time with this, number one, you know, it's one thing to make moves in the offseason and look on paper and see who your teammates are. But it's another thing to get into the preseason, start practicing, start playing preseason games, and really see what it looks like as a teammate, uh, what, it's look, what it looks like to play with 
different guys and get a sense of what this team can be in the short term and longer term. See the improvement some of your teammates made. So I think that's part of the thinking and taking us time. But but I think with Giannis too, you know, some players might think, well, I can sign the Supermax and if I don't like what's going on in two years or three years, I can just ask for a trade. I can do what James Harden is doing right now. Giannis really believes in commitment. When he gives his word, it means something. It means a great deal to him. And so I think he's really taking you know, very seriously the commitment that you would make in signing a five-year extension to being in Milwaukee. And so he has time here to make his decision. And, and so you know, we're going to know here by at the latest next Monday, probably a little sooner than that. Giannis giving his word, and for the best words on Giannis, you can check out the Giannis Draft three-part podcast on the Woj Podcast. He had DB, our colleague Doris Burke, on four days ago, and a little less than a week ago, he had Neil Olshay on, the general manager of the Blazers. If you want to get nitty-gritty and you love all that stuff with roster stuff, check that out with Neil Olshay, one of the most, I think, underestimated GMs in all of basketball, anywhere you get podcasts. Woj, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Woj. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Woj joined us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Crude oil, crude, natural gas, pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil made from natural gas, not crude, giving you unbeatable engine protection. The proof's in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. On the way, first, it was the Washington football team making a change. Then, it was the Cleveland Indians baseball team making a change. So, who's next? Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. It's one more thing that we didn't used to talk about in sports, but like in so many aspects of society, there's a reckoning coming. People are being a little bit more open-minded, even in the rather insular world 
of sports. And that's our topic for before we let you go. We know the Washington football team will be called something other than the Redskins moving forward. It's a question of what they will be named. They were known as the Redskins for 87 years. That spans 15 presidential administrations if you want to go local and put them right there Mm -hmm. in in D.C. The Cleveland Indians were known as the Indians for 105 years. It's going to be 106 a couple of years ago. They started to move away from their offensive Chief Wahoo logo, which you might remember was a Native American with eyes and gigantic teeth that was placed right in the center of every ball cap of every Indians player. They now go with the Block C. But let's be honest. It all comes down to winning. If the Washington football team was winning the way they did in the first iteration of the Joe Gibbs era, three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, despite all of the noise and despite all of the absolutely legitimate criticism that has been put forth to the Washington football team, chances are if they were winning today like they were winning back then, all of this noise would be drowned out. It's a sad commentary. They would probably still be the Washington Redskins. So who's next? Well, I don't think anybody's next, even though there are many options, because I think success trumps everything. Sad commentary, but a pretty obvious point. If you win, that's all that matters. For example, the three teams in professional sports that have been dealing with this issue the longest, and we're going to keep collegiate sports out of it because there's just so much more that goes into it. But from a pro sports perspective, the Kansas City Chiefs, they waited 50 years between Super Bowls. Now they might get two in as many. Does anybody think if the Chiefs win back-to-back Super Bowls and somebody starts complaining loudly about the name being the Chiefs, that the name would be removed? I highly doubt it. I think it's absolutely legitimate and right for you to be able to say whatever you want to say. Don't think the NFL team is going to matter. The Chicago Blackhawks have backskid just a little bit. They have not had a very good last few seasons. However, they have won three Stanley Cups in a five-year span, and that wasn't too long ago. The Blackhawks have been very clear. They have absolutely no impetus to change their name despite public pressure. You hoist three Lombardi, uh, excuse me, you hoist three Stanley Cup trophies in a five-year span. You can do whatever you want. Then there's the team that's had the most sustained success of anyone in major professional sports that deals with Native American imagery. And that's the Atlanta Braves, who once won 14 consecutive division titles. You want to talk about how good Keys Dodgers are with all the NL West titles they've won? They basically, the Dodgers are going to have to double key their win total of division titles in a row to get to where the Braves were. 14 straight division championships it yielded in one World Series. However, the tomahawk chop that you often see at Braves games, they are limiting that. However, there has been no discussion of removing the name Braves. Go to collegiate sports. I'm sitting here in New York. In 1994, St. John's University was known as the St. John's University Redmen. Later in 1994, they changed it to Red Storm. They didn't get a lot of attention for that, the way this issue is percolating today, but they decided to do the right thing. In a much smaller case, Miami of Ohio, Ben Roethlisberger's alma mater, was once known as the Redskins. And then in about 1996 and 1997, they changed it to the Red Hawks. And a special tip of the cap to one group that gets no credit because their financial gain is not on the line here, and that's high schools across the country. 
There have been high schools that make a little money on a Friday night with the football game. They're not worried about NFL, NHL, and MLB money. They have been among the first and in large numbers to change any Native American nicknames. Why? I think you got a young, impressionable group of people that are the next generation of America. And in many cases, these nicknames have been removed by students themselves asking for it to be done. Again, there's been a lot of stories with Florida State. There's been a lot of stories, believe it or not, with North Dakota hockey, something that's never probably been mentioned on ESPN radio. They used to be called the Fighting Sioux as well. This is a problem that's not going away. But fellas, I think if you continue to win, the name continues to stay. Am I naive? No, you're, you're, you're not naive, but I think times have changed, obviously. And I think that, you know, uh, I know that the Kansas City Chiefs are actively working with groups trying to figure it out. And so as you, as you continue to win games, you're going to bring attention to those organizations. And we're living in a different world now, man. This ain't 20 years ago, right? This is totally different. And we're seeing all sorts of different things taking shape. And Zubin, just to add to that, you know, a lot of people use the terminology cancel culture. Um, you're not canceling the past. Look, it's in the history books, right? Uh, but the one thing that we can say is that understanding where we want to go, we have to understand where we, where we were. That's important. So I think, you know, to push that narrative about how are we forcing ourselves to become better as one, I think that's very important. I, I appreciate you doing that, man. Way to bring attention to that. Yeah. Indeed. That's what's up. I appreciate that. It's been done at the college level. It can be done at the pro level, though it's going to take a lot of gumption. We will see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.